thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team, and welcome to episode 37 of The Real Food Reel. Today on the show, we have Kale Brock, wellness educator, otherwise known as the fermented food guy. I first met Kale at the Wellness Summit here in Melbourne and just had to share his knowledge and passion for all things probiotics and gut health with you. Let's get straight into it today and welcome Kale to the real. Hi, Kale, and thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Steph. It was so nice to uh, meet you in person at the Wellness Summit. Yeah, we were hanging next to each other all weekend. That was good fun. We, we even walked out on stage together. <laughs> that was a special moment. <laughs> that was. That was lots of fun. Yeah, it was it really was. cool to meet you. And like I said in the intro, I just wanted to share you with our listeners. Um, but I'd love to start with some background information about yourself. So if you can share your story, you know, go back as far as you like and then like, let us understand how you got to where you are today. Yes, yeah, so um, <clears throat> I tend to share this story a lot, but basically I sort of began my foray into the health thing when I was about 16 years old. I was diagnosed with a heart condition, supraventricular tachycardia, SVT was the name. Uh, so it sounds a little bit serious, and I suppose it was. I would actually experience these arrhythmias to the point of, to the point of almost fainting. So um, I would be surfing out in the water. And, you know, I'd start to feel really lightheaded. My heart would go a little bit crazy, like it would just go boom, 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 boom. And, uh, you know, I would, I would almost faint. So obviously it's not such a good thing to be fainting out in the water, probably on the footy field as well. So um, understandably so, I, I just went to the doctor and, you know, was they hooked me up to all the ECG staff and got diagnosed with this condition. And his, their answer, that the medical system's answer to that, problem was to undergo an ablation, which is where they <clears throat> they cut into you and they uh, open your heart and they actually burn away a piece of the heart. And the piece of the heart they wanted to burn away was the one that was malfunctioning called the sinoatrial node. And already at that age, I'm like, you know, this thing's not working and they just want to destroy it. Uh, surely there's a way I can fix it. You know, I wasn't like designed or made or evolved to actually like have all these malfunctions, you know, surely I can actually overcome this. So I asked the doctor, I'm like, hey, mate, what about nutrition? And, you know, I got this doc standard response. He's like, it's got nothing to do with it. Come on, let's get this surgery done. Anyway, long story short, I was introduced to a naturopath um, of, you know, uh, I think she's around 40 years experience now. Anyway, she took me under her wing and for the last eight years, I've been sort of training and mentoring um, under her and I've learned a whole bunch of stuff along the way. And within about two hours, she was able to teach me some good lifestyle principles that really turned everything around. And within about six months, we I probably had 99% reversal of the condition. So that for me was like the point where I'm like, hang on, there's a lot to this wellness story. And, you know, eventually over time, you start to get a little bit more passionate and you naturally sort of turn it into a bit of a business. And now I suppose it's, yeah, it's become my mission to sort of get the message out there a little bit. Yeah, that's such a cool story and I think, you know, very good that you didn't have to go down the surgical route and that you knew there was another way because not everyone's in that boat, particularly at the age that you were. Mm, very lucky. Yeah. So we've obviously got you here to chat about gut health and fermented foods and probiotics. So I wanted you to share with our listeners what that means to you if you could summarise your view on gut health. Yeah, well, it's quite interesting. I mean... After doing, you know, eight years of, of research now, I suppose with more of a journalistic um, standpoint that, than a, a health coach standpoint, um, I've sort of, it all sort of led back to um, me finding out that the health of the gut is of the utmost importance when it comes to the rest of your body, to your emotions, to your physicality, to your, um, 
to your productivity to pretty much everything tied with health. I would say around 90 to 99% of all diseases have some origins within the gut. And we can see that as we look back in history when we saw Hippocrates sort of echoing those sentiments that there were some sort of mysterious forces within us that actually sort of were the true healers of disease. Um, and I'm not sure if he was, you know, consciously talking about lactobacillus back then or whatever, but um, that they all knew that digestion and the gut was very important. And for me, um, to be honest, you know, that's just one part of the puzzle. I think when you get the gut right, when you balance the microbiome, when you ensure you have a good amount of good bacteria in there, when you have good intestinal integrity, so that's the health of your gut lining, um, when you get those things right, then you have a really good foundation to bring in other interventions, other health interventions to actually boost you to a higher health level as well. So, yeah, that's kind of the the whole principle there. Yeah, absolutely. And we know it's the foundation of everything, which is exactly what you've just summarized. But I think what the challenge is for a lot of people is that perhaps the, like either the symptoms or the benefits are quite broad. Mm. So what what would be some signs and symptoms of, of poor gut health to start? Oh, there are so many things. Well, uh, basically, if you've got a an, an autoimmune disease, um, that's a sign that probably you're dealing with um, some some serious intestinal permeability, and we can go into explaining how that works in a second. Um, the other thing now that we're seeing is that gut health uh, is very, very important in terms of neurological health. So um, Dr. David Perlmutter, who I'm not sure if you've had on the show yet, um, he's been a, a very strong advocate for um, neurological science and looking, pointing at the gut, to, which actually looks after the brain. So when you have a compromised gut, you can have a compromised brain. So we start to see things like Alzheimer's, which is steadily on the rise. We start to see things like dementia. And then we start to go into the behavioral issues as well, things like ADHD and all those all those other things. But I mean, one of those real sort of tangible uh, measurements for for gut health for most people is how's your digestion? And you know, you ask the average person that, and they say, well, it's actually pretty bad. And I get you know, I get a lot of burping and farting, and my tummy rumbles like for a long time after. I eat anything. So um, I think that's the that's the initial one. But yeah, I think if you're dealing with any sort of illness, you've got you've got to work on the gut first. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it because for a long time these like other conditions that you mentioned that were autoimmune in nature or or certainly the um, behavioral issues, they were all treated from a pharmaceutical route only. And, you know, somewhere along the line between Hippocrates and now, we got way off track, but it's good to see that we're certainly coming back on the right path now. Um, but good to summarise that it's not just digestion because that seems to be the common link. Yeah. Um, you might get the same with the people that you um, coach as well. Like when you talk about certain foods that might not be good for gut health, their argument might be, oh, no, but it doesn't make me feel sick in the tummy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so obviously yeah. what we now know with the gut being the second brain, the, the effects are certainly systemic, and by that I mean anywhere and everywhere. Yes, absolutely. Well, that works because um, you've got to think that your, your your food nourishes your entire body. So there are going to be systems in place that allow – um, things to go from the gut to to the entire body, including the brain. You know, we've got a we've got a um, gut blood barrier. We've also got a blood brain barrier because the blood feeds the brain. So everything you put through your gut eventually goes into the bloodstream, which goes around the entire body. So you're really looking at feeding the system, um, and you know, and all inflammation can be uh, created in the gut, but it can be perpetuated by the gut, and it can turn into systemic inflammation, which means it goes around the entire body, because again, the gut has access to the entire body. It's it's huge. It's it's so so important to get the health of the gut right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, signs and symptoms then of good gut health would that just be the the reverse? Yeah, the reverse. What's your energy like? What are you getting from your food? I actually think that um, a, a very good sign of gut health is that you don't need to eat that much to feel energized and whatnot. And obviously, we can talk about like um, uh, ketosis and stuff there as well, being fat adapted and all that, which I know you're, you're pretty on top of. But also um, getting the right amount of nutrition from your food by not consuming that much. So I use the analogy that 
you know, what sort of car do you want if you're trying to be efficient? Do you want the big truck that guzzles all this petrol to go only so far or do you want the really efficient uh, fuel car that uses a little amount of fuel to get you a really long way? I think there's a lot of advantages to doing that as well because we talk about um, we talk about calorie restriction as being, you know, a very good sort of uh, intervention for longevity and keeping healthy. Well, it's very hard to do that if you're not digesting and absorbing your food. And, um, you know, I spoke with Jimmy Moore on the podcast and stuff, and he was saying like, yeah, well, I only eat one meal a day. And I sort of thought, well, you'd want to make sure that you're digesting that food really well. Because if, if you're only eating one meal a day, you can actually run into some um, malnutrition issues because, uh, number one, we actually need a lot more nutrition these days because we're dealing with a lot more toxins and stress and, and angry people and all these other things. Um, but, yeah, so I think that a, a good sign of gut health, that you've got good gut health, is that you're digesting your food really well, you're energized after meals, and you're not craving sweets and all that sort of stuff. I think those are the big ones. Yeah, nice. So let's go back to what you touched on before about digestive integrity. Um, there's a few things to think about there with certain foods. So why don't we cover like p- particular foods that you think are um, going to compromise that integrity and certainly open up the inflammatory poor gut health process? Yeah. So I think to start there, we should explain the 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 intestinal lining, which is sort of around the small intestine and a little bit in the large intestine as well. But you've got to picture that like a fly screen. You know, a fly an effective fly screen has got to let in a lot of nice fresh air, but it's got to keep out the bugs and the and the dragonflies and all the rest of it. Now, if you've got holes and tears in that fly screen, or the or the little squares are, t- are too big then you're actually going to let in all those flies and mosquitoes and dragonflies and they're going to cause issues. Okay, very similar in your gut. Okay, you've got to let in micromolecules of food, so things like vitamins and minerals and small amino acids and whatnot because those are usable by the cells. Whereas whereas if you've got macromolecules of food moving into the bloodstream, Things like peptide chains, uh, lipopolysaccharide, which is like a mix of fat and carbohydrate, and other macromolecules, you're actually putting in things to the bloodstream that the body can't use, so it doesn't recognize them. So what happens is the body develops an immune response to those molecules because they're foreign invaders, according to the body, and they'll actually ramp up a little bit of inflammation to go and actually destroy them. Now, we'll go into the implications of that in a second, but um, back to certain foods. That, that can trigger that process to occur. Well, number one on my list is, is gluten. Okay, that's a huge one because um, Dr. Alessio Fasano, who's uh, out of Harvard Med, he actually showed that anyone who consumes gluten for the next 90 minutes or so after consuming it, you actually turn on that intestinal permeability. You turn on the leaky gut. Okay, that wasn't just in the celiac patients. That was in everyone. 100% of people tested. Okay, the other thing that does that uh, in a large, to a large extent, uh, particularly when it's consumed without fat, is uh, coffee. We'll do that too. We also have uh, stress, which, you know, who's been stressed before? Everyone's been stressed before. So when you're stressed, you actually turn on this uh, pathway that opens up the those junctions of the epithelium, the intestinal lining. Okay, so that, and flying will do it too, you know, radiation, dysbiosis will do it too. So when we talk about dysbiosis, that's just an imbalance of good to bad bacteria. Well, the bad bacteria, they're mycotoxic. They release toxins into the system. And what they'll actually do as well, they'll actually go and live on your villi and on your, and on your payas patches, which live between the villi, and they'll actually downregulate your immune response and they'll ramp up inflammation and they'll also bury their roots into the intestinal lining and start to open up and create these holes and tears in the lining. Now, all those things are all causing leaky gut and they're all causing inflammation. They're all causing the immune system to be switched on. Now, I want to point out, though, that we can also switch it off. So, yeah, yeah we can go into that if you like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it sounds like there are a lot of factors that are, you know, quite common in, in 2015. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, the most important thing for us to address is that, um, the, you know, the lifestyle and certain, certainly dietary interventions that we need to include habitually so that we avoid that case. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, prevention is always going to be the best, and I think it all starts with it all starts with what we've got in the home, what we've got in the house. You know, what's in your pantry, what's in your fridge, what chemicals are you are you washing your dishes in? All that stuff comes into play, and I think as soon as we start to take a real food approach. Um, that's always going to be a, a, a better option. But, you know, some people would look at um, a, a loaf of bread and say, well, that's real food, you know. And in my opinion, it's, it's probably not considering the, um, the story of, of grains these days and how far removed they are from the original grains we were consuming. So, yeah, I think prevention is key. And, you know, if someone does have issues, that's when we have to go in and say, well, how can we turn this around? Yeah, absolutely. And so what would be, you mentioned real food and certainly we've spoken a lot about toxins and and a a toxin elimination um, already on the show, but is that sort of the, I guess, the treatment that you would put most of your clients through? Yeah, so we sort of take um, a a multiple-pronged approach. We sort of, we we cut the toxins out because if you um, have a look at recent sort of or past sort of uh, information on the toxic load that that humans are sort of being exposed to. Uh, 50 to 100 years ago, we had children born into a world with a lot of nutrition and a very low toxic load. Well, it's completely been switched around now where people being born are actually born into a, a world that has very little nutrition and a lot of toxins coming in. So my whole thing is we have to reverse that first because that gives us a good foundation to to work with. If the If you go to sleep at night, and your body's busy getting rid of toxins all night. You know, it's cleaning up the liver from your deodorant, from your shampoo, from your dishwashing detergent, from all that sort of stuff. Then it's not going to get to work on the epithelium. It's not going to get to work on on regenerating new blood cells and and you know, sort of working on the immune system and stuff. It's too busy with all the other stuff. So number one is you know, let's reverse that situation, increase the uh, nutritional profile, and decrease the toxic load. That's number one. And number two is sort of look looking at some specific sort of dietary um, protocols. And that generally looks like a, a pretty strict paleo diet with a lot of wiggle room there and with some specific, a lot of bone broths and nice soups and some green smoothies to alkalize as long as people can digest them. Um, the, the little gut healing protocol that I, that I use and I've got, you know, 50 or 60 people doing right now is um, <clears throat> we, number one, we starve and remove the bad bugs. So things like E. coli, Clostridia, Candida albicans, those are, those are your typical sort of overgrowth pathogenic bacteria. So we starve them by not feeding them any sugar, including fruit, um, and we remove them using um, some antifungals. Perhaps we'll use like some powdarco, wormwood, uh, maybe some echinacea, cinnamon, garlic, ginger, turmeric, all those sort of things. Maybe I'll put them on a supplement for that if they don't want to go and like bring all those herbs into the diet. Uh, number two is we re- replenish with um, some specific good bugs. So I like to use probiotic supplements in that. You can also use, if people want to do it, they can buy specific culture starters and do some fermented foods with very specific cultures in there. And number three is just evolve the diet from there. So after about 12 weeks, once they've sort of gone through the process to get the bad bugs out, to add in some specific probiotics and heal the gut lining with some specific herbs or or nutrients like colostrum. Number three, they evolve the diet. They go back onto a real food program where they can have a little bit of fruit and they can have some natural sugar and that actually feeds the good guys. And they can have, you know, some kombucha and some different fermented foods and that all goes in and creates this wonderful diverse microbiome. And all of a sudden you, you go from this place of inflammation and, you know, tiredness and fatigue and probably being overweight and you shift that to one of, you know, glowing with health, having a lot of energy and starting to burn fat a lot more easy and having balanced blood sugar. You know, it's actually pretty easy to do. I was talking with um, all the participants in my in my gut healing protocol last night and I put up this recipe for like a Thai fish curry. I'm like, this is, this is a sweet, this is awesome. You can have this in your gut healing protocol. And people automatically they go, oh, my God, like I can have that food. They think that, you know, doing these gut healing things, involve, like it has to be as strict as a GAPS diet or something. Well, it doesn't actually always have to be that way. You can just do real food, you know, and um, when you start to put in herbs and stuff that actually heal the gut, you actually have a lot more wiggle room, you know. And I found that um, N- Natasha Campbell McBride, who 
uh, Dr. Natasha Campbell-McBride, who came up with the, the GAPS diet and is very effective and she's done a lot of good work in probiotic formulations and whatnot as well. I've actually found that when you add in uh, one supplementation to you decrease the toxic load, it doesn't actually take something like three years to people to turn their gut health around. You can actually do it a lot quicker. Um, and, you know, you only have to jump on my on my website um, kalebrock.com.au forward slash changed lives uh, to see some of the turnarounds that you know we've had using this sort of principle using these sort of principles and it's not that like I'm doing this all I'm doing is pointing people in the right direction and you know their their body heals because the body wants to heal that's what I want to point out to people because so many people are like oh my god my body's like stuffed you know it's my fault victim 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 when really inside of them they have this innate healing power they just have to let it out they just have to give the body the right raw materials and it knows knows how to heal. Yeah, absolutely. And you make some really good points within that. I think um, simplifying gut health is really important. Um, when it first became popular in the wellness world, I think people were feeling such a huge sense of overwhelm because they mm. had to perhaps, you know, sterilize equipment and source <laughs> this culture and make this and and ferment this. And, and I think you know, in my experience with clients, the outcome of that was inaction, yeah. uh, which is the last thing we want. Yeah, um, analysis paralysis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and now we see, you know, you and I both met um, Kirsty from Culture Wellness. I've got her yeah. on the podcast coming up. So, you know, nice. those fantastic starter cultures available, which you can then just add to, you know, coconut cream to, to make your own probiotic yogurt or yeah. um coconut water to make your own kefir and I know you've got um, a book yourself so do you want to tell us a little bit more about the book and and maybe some of the simple gut health recipes that um, you're like you're spreading with your message yeah, I think that there, yeah, there's a few different little um, caveats in the whole fermented food thing because people assume that, well, it's a fermented food, it must be really good for me if I've got like some gut issues. Well, number one, the kombucha, for instance, that you can get in the stores and whatnot, that's actually not that good for you because one, it contains a lot of sugar mm. um, still because they're not fermenting it long enough. Uh, number two, it's carbonated, so it's very acidic and can sort of, damage your teeth a little bit. So I, I go straight away into the book and into my online program and stuff how to actually make kombucha in a, in a traditional way using traditional sugars. Um, it's so funny. Like people just talk about kombucha and they're like, no, you have to use refined sugar. You have to use black tea because it needs all mm. this caffeine. It's like, no, you don't. I've used herbal tea as a base and I use coconut sugar, rapadura sugar, or I just use fruit juice on its own. And you can grow really nice kombucha. So people, you know, it's it's all about challenging what what's already being done, I think, in that. Challenging convention, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's been done for a hundred years doesn't mean it's like right, you know. We've we've had access to refined sugar for 150 years. The SCOBY's been around for 4,050 years, you know, so <laughs> it survived on something else before sugar, trust me. Um, anyway, that's just a little example there. When we look at fermented foods, the vegetables really are what, are what do it for me. I mean, that's where that's where you get most of your nutrition from because you're not only getting the wonderful bioavailable nutrition from your vegetables after you ferment them, you're also getting all these benefits from the bacteria that you're growing on them. So when I do fermented foods and what I do in the book, I actually teach people how to do it without the culture starters because that tends to make it a little bit easier for people. Yep. Like you said, it, it prevents that overwhelm. And um, we use things like uh, apple cider vinegar, kombucha vinegar. You can use the saline method as well. You can use a whole bunch of different things. Then you can start to, if you do want to get specific or you are experiencing some more serious health issues, that's when you can look at using the specific starters. And I know Kirsty, she's an Adelaide girl, she's a Victor Harvard girl, um, and they're doing amazing things with developing some really powerful starters and doing the coconut kefir and the coconut yogurt and stuff. Those things are good because you get buy-in with the kids as well because they're nice and fizzy and they look good and they taste good and the kids are going to chew it up. And Kirsty's got a really amazing story where she actually was able to effectively turn around her child's autism and, you know, that is that is powerful stuff. Um, I want to point out with the fermented foods, I do encourage people to actually eat clean 
and do a bit of a a strict sort of paleo diet for a while before doing fermented foods. Because I, I use the analogy, if you've got a really dirty pond with lots of poisonous fish in there and whatnot, you don't just come along and pour all the good fish in the <laughs> pond. No, do you? Okay, because the good fish just die and, you know, you get all this havoc and they go to war and you get bloating and all this sort of stuff. So you've got to clean up the pond first. So eating a really nice clean diet for, you know, anything up to 12 weeks actually works really well before you even add in fermented foods. Then when you add in fermented foods, it's like this added bonus, you know, and you increase the diversity in the microbiome and you get all the benefits you should from fermented foods. But yeah, I mean, in the in the recipe book that we just it's been so well received. Like I'm so grateful I think mm. we, we just I, mean, I can't believe how many copies have gone and it's going around Australia like it's crazy stuff um, and yeah we go into in the in the book we go into kombucha kefir and we go into a bunch of different fermented vegetables as well and there's you know there's more coming but it's a, it's a pretty good guide and I'm pretty happy with um with with how it turned out yeah, absolutely. I think just making people understand that it's such a, a simple tool they can start to integrate into their everyday. Yeah, economical too, like so cheap, so good. Yeah, I know. I always tell the story how you can make um, your, your jar of fermented veggies for $2 rather than twenty nine ninety five from buying it from the health food store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I still have friends who are like really busy and they know the value of fermented foods. And they um they still buy it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. It's often no. time or money in life. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, one topic I actually wanted to touch on a little bit further was probiotic capsules because yeah. we see the good old Inner Health Plus advertised, um, yeah. you know, every 10 seconds on commercial TV. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the benefits of taking a generic brand from your local pharmacy um, versus obviously what you can get from uh, fermented food practice. Yeah, so I think there's a place for both. Yep. I'll say that straight away. Um, and Inner Health Plus have a very uh, good strain of probiotics. Um, uh, and I say good strain, not good range, um, because they use a specific uh, lactobacillus acidophilus strain that is, is very good. Um, the only issue with that, and I love what they're doing, but the only issue with that is that it's not in high enough numbers to have a therapeutic effect on the body. You would need to probably take a whole bottle of Inner Health Plus to really get a benefit from the probiotics there. Now, that's not saying anything against the company because, again, I'm a big fan of them. And if someone comes to me and they've got like extremely poor gut health, I might even start them on some, on some dairy-free lactobacillus like from Inner Health plus. Um, but really when we're looking at the whole probiotic equation, I just got, I'm just about to release the podcast with microbiologist John Elliman. It'll probably be out by the time this goes to air. Um, and that was a groundbreaker for me because I talked with him and I was like, dude, I love fermented foods. What's the deal? And he was sort of like, well, you've got to actually look at this from the, the standpoint that, you know, we've introduced these synthetic, very, very, um, scientific, uh, Western approaches into into people called antibiotics, mm. and consuming fermented foods if you've never had antibiotics before is never going to cause issues. But as soon as you wipe out the microbiome, you pretty much reset the whole system, and you add in a bunch of fermented foods where you don't really know which bacteria are dominating in those fermented foods, you can cause issues. And if you've got a leaky gut, those bacteria can even move into the bloodstream as well and cause inflammation. So it's this whole sort of um, paradox thing where I'm really advocating fermented foods, but I know that they don't work for everybody's situation. Now, a lot of people, and that's why I enjoy getting people onto a good gut healing protocol. Um, and, you know, I am turning it now into an online program because I can see how many people need it, you know. And I spoke with John Elliman anyway, and he actually said that 30%, 30% of the probiotics on the Sydney marketplace actually stimulated pathogens when right. tested when tested, 30% of them, that's what we're dealing with. Because he pointed out that within the different species of bacteria, things like lactobacillus acidophilus, um, bifidobacterium, there are actually all these substrains 
of, of a species as well. So you've got the lafty strains of Lactobacillus acidophilus and you've got like B52 and B this and A that. You've got all these different strains and they have different effects on the body. So I think when we started introducing things like antibiotics, we actually need to look at equally as targeted and equally as specific areas of probiotic intervention. So um, I choose to use a symbiotic, which again, talking about John Elliman, he actually um, developed. And that's like a, a mixture of prebiotics and probiotics. And when you boost, when you mix those together, you actually boost the numbers from, you know, your average dose, maybe 30 billion bacteria or what, 25 billion, even 5 billion, you actually boost them into numbers well over a trillion, around 1.5 trillion. And that's when you start to get a therapeutic dose, that therapeutic effect on the body because those bacteria not only go and sit in the gut, but they actually wash through the small intestine, the large intestine, the colon, and all the way through to the bowel. That's what you need. So, I mean, Again, I am a big fan of probiotics and I think there are some good ones out there. But even, you know, I read Dr. Perlmutter's book and he's like, well, you've got to look for these on the label. And I was like, well, actually, um, how's someone supposed to know which specific substrain is going into that product? You know, it's like this minefield out there that we've got to navigate. So, I mean, for me, I, I'm leaving that up to the experts and I choose, you know, John Elliman because he's he's quite good and he's got a lot of good referrals. But um, I think over time we're going to see more application of therapeutic probiotics coming into the more Western style of, of, um, of treatment because what we're doing now is just not working at all. You know, we're going to see doctors prescribing probiotics, I'm sure. We're going to see, I think as well, pharmaceutical companies coming up with probiotics too. Oh, um, absolutely. It's got yeah. to be the next step. Yeah, it's absolutely the next step. I mean, you can only do so much research into the microbiome, prove how powerful it is, um, and and have it ignored by the by the medical profession. And I mean, it is disgusting. And, you know, I don't say this lightly. I see doctors some of the doctors and the level of the discrepancy between some doctors' education and and others is just horrendous. Like my grandma goes to the doctor and, you know, their doctor's maybe 70, 60 years old or whatever. He's still telling her she doesn't need to drink water. She can just drink black tea and ginger beer and that's fine. Um, she can have all the sugar she wants. She's got diabetes but she just has to take insulin to... Oh, that's um, my pet hate, absolute yeah, pet just hate. Re- ridiculous okay yeah. and she, you know she's got to have a lot of her fiber even though she's got diarrhea like she's gonna have her oh I shouldn't be saying this <laughs> she's got like a you know all her cereals and stuff in the pantry and it's like bread for lunch and then it's like bread for dinner and you know that's just destroying her microbiome she's also on like 20 different medications you know so it's like and then I see I hear about doctors who are saying well we we're going to have to put you on an antibiotic for this um, infection in this cut or whatever, but I'm also going to make sure that you take probiotics during this time and you're going to juice during this time to actually counteract the effects of the, of yeah. the antibiotic. So there's this huge discrepancy, you know, and I think that eventually, you know, over the next five to ten years, we're going to see this, um, we're going to see this purpose-driven sort of re-education of that system where probiotics will start to become appreciated and we'll actually get very targeted with the specific probiotics we use for specific health conditions. And for me, just bringing that back down to earth, for most people I put them on the, the symbiotic sort of uh, approach first before jumping on fermented foods. Fermented foods also can contain a therapeutic dose of probiotics, I want to point out. But the thing is, we don't actually know which bacteria specifically yeah. are growing there until we use like a culture starter. So like when you do the salt method on sauerkraut and kimchi and stuff like that, the first bacteria to grow are actually normally the bad ones. So things like E. coli, you know, but then after time, the good bacteria produce enough acid, acetic acid and stuff to actually kill off those bad bugs and then outnumber them. So you know, if someone's got issues, um, putting in some a little bit of E. coli is not such a, an awesome thing. No, I guess it shows, again, like the relativity of it all. But certainly um, with any sort of probiotic treatment, I think it's really, really important to pay attention to symptoms, both yeah. um, <laughs> positive and negative, because what I've also experienced um, is that 
suddenly you find a client that knows a bit about gut health and they're taking absolutely everything they can get their hands on. And we often find that can be quite damaging and they can be experiencing um, negative symptoms because they are overdoing it. Yeah, absolutely. And like it's the same with fermented foods. They go crazy on kombucha or they go crazy on kimchi and whatnot. You know, they're, they're condiments. They're condiments to a real diet. Mm. You know, they're not, they're not main meals. And, yeah, same thing. I think people tend to go a little bit crazy on all these different like mung bean probiotic things, formulas and stuff. And to be honest, like most of them just don't work and they're not appropriate for people. Yeah, keeping it real. But I love what you yeah. say about um, – <laughs> you know, the change that we should see in conventional medicine. And I think, um, you know, there was quite a bit of discussion about this at the Wellness Summit, which was awesome, because yeah. it really is about finding your your team, your cheer squad, because you don't need to pay to see a doctor that's going to tell you that you need to take pharmaceuticals only and has disregard for the impact or, um, you know, positive role of nutrition and lifestyle intervention. I think it's about finding the people that are on your side and are going to support you in your health and wellness journey. Oh, absolutely. Like how important is that? And, you know, yeah. find a good mentor. Like I I found a good mentor and I've stuck with it for eight years, you know, and that was just so important. You've got to surround yourself with people who are getting the results that you want. That's what I want to point out too is like I would never go and listen to someone and apply information from someone if they're not getting the results that I want. It's like learning to surf. If I want to learn to surf, I'm going to go hang out with the best surfer on the block. I'm not going to to the guys so that's like it's the same thing with health i'm not going to go to a smoker to tell me how to get i'm going to go to the healthiest person i know um and you know not a lot of us think about this you know what sort of result if you want to look like steph Lowe, you go and see steph Lowe. all right so um that i mean why don't we think about this enough it's like this whole thing where it's just so illogical illogical and we only think about it when someone points it out so yeah i think it's very good to get a very very good positive cheer squad who are getting the results that you want on your side yeah absolutely and nothing breaks my heart more than hearing diabetics that still get told to have ridiculous volume of carbohydrates or the other one is people that have high total cholesterol that get told to eat less eggs and get put on statin medications. I mean, I'm yeah. like opening up a can of worms and I'm, I'm digressing. but <laughs> Yeah, but it's an important can of worms. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. wait till the day that changes, absolutely. And it will. Mm. You know, we're not seeing these documentaries on television for for no reason. They get, they, it's slowly coming around. But we've built this system, I think. I think that's the issue. It's like with the government. Like you get a really good president or prime minister in and you're like, oh, well, this is great. We're going to see all this awesome change. But by the time their term's up, they've changed nothing mm. because they're dealing with a stagnant, heavy, slow-to-change system that, you know, is is extremely difficult to implement any new ideas in. And it's the same with the medical system and it's the same with our health system. It's just going to take time. But, you know, look at something like um, fecal matter transplant, you know, which is appropriate to today's topic. And that's taking healthy bacteria from someone, a healthy person's poo and putting it into someone who's got health issues and they're getting extremely good results with things like C. difficile infection, which used to result in a lot of deaths throughout America. And now they're actually using it in like 90% of hospitals and they, they're getting huge, huge effects. So when something is that stark in its, in its actual benefit and its difference to what's previously been used, then it's not going to go ignored for, for too long. And we have these very cool little case studies coming out, like we, like we had Mike Willisey on Channel 7 doing the paleo way for, for 10 weeks or whatever it was. And, you know, his cholesterol changed in a, in a significant way. His homocysteine levels changed in a significant way. Those sort of things, although they're not wide um, scientific studies, they're actually very, very powerful for pointing us in the right direction in terms of looking at which fields we need to be um, scientifically validating as we head into the future. One of those is probiotic intervention and getting the health of the gut right. And if if doctors and and whoever's reading scientific journals, you would know now that probiotics are where it's at, you know, in terms of, of the future of healing. That's where we're going with it because every single scientific journal, especially things like Nature and, and um, 
uh, neuroscience and immunology, which I'd try and read a couple of them. Um, Those guys are always publishing. It seems like every single um, journal, they're publishing more and more info on the power of probiotics and, you know, it's not going to go ignored for much longer. But that's why, yeah, you're doing such a good job, like doing what you're doing and, you know, that's why it's so good being at the Wellness Summit and stuff and just sort of hearing that message echoed across the room to 700 people who then go out and actually tell 700 other people. That's how we can create widespread change. But, you know, it's not going to come from above. It's not going to come from the government. They're not going to say like, hey, we've decided to um, make it mandatory for every single new home to have like a fully fledged garden. You know, they're not going to do that. It's going to come back to us and us saying, well, actually, we're going to take control here. I'm going to take control of my health. I'm going to give up relying on this burdened, sick uh, health care system. So it's just a sick care system. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to take control. And that's that's how it's going to happen. Yeah, I absolutely love that message. Now, I had one more topic I wanted to cover with you because I think I personally find this really interesting and conversations I have day to day make me aware that not many people are aware of the impact that natural birth has in comparison Mm. to C-section and certainly the changes that um, formula feeding can create um, versus a, a breastfed child. Yeah, and it's a it's a sensitive topic. Um, yeah. yeah, I know that. And uh, first off, I, I'll have to say, like, obviously, C sections are not evil. Um, I know that. And you know, when I talk about C sections, I'm not trying to make mums feel guilty Absolutely or whatever not. if not. they have had a C section because obviously, in that situation, they might might have been life saving. Um, but what we need to do is is acknowledge that. During um, the birthing process, that is when a lot of the seeding takes place for the microbiome. So by seeding, I mean it's literally taking small little inoculants, small little amounts of mum's bacteria that um, are in her birth canal, that are around her vagina and anus. They actually seed the little baby's microbiome. They go into his gut and on his skin and whatnot, his or her skin, and they form what her future his or her future inner microbiome. So it's very, very important. Now, during a C-section, this whole process is actually um, sort of skipped or it's it's the baby misses out. Okay, so there is a process now called seeding. Which I love. Mm. Yeah, which is cool where like um, we're actually swabbing our children with, with bacteria from mum now. Now, the, the issue with that though, and I had a midwife point this out to me, which is completely true, if mum's got a compromised microbiome, and she's swabbing all this bacteria over baby, you actually create infection as well. So like it all starts with mum, you know, it starts with pre-birth stuff. We've got to work on women before they actually get pregnant um, to actually make sure they have a good microbiome to pass on to the child. Anyway, when this happens, the C-section happens, the baby does miss out on bacteria. Often is the case, um, and they've shown this in studies, that C-section children have a a high propensity to um, be overweight they have a lot more asthma, a lot more allergies and a whole range of other health issues. So what we need to do to actually counteract that is say, well, these children are actually missing out in a certain way. How can we intervene in a positive way during this process? And the answer there is simply to actually give them probiotics. And that way they actually get mum's milk and they get the colostrum in mum's milk and they get the sweet sugars in mum's breast milk and that actually feeds the good bacteria that are now in the gut. Whereas if they don't have the good bacteria there, they can actually become intolerant to mum's milk. Then they get put on formula, which has a range of health issues. And I want to point out that most formulas are actually made by pharmaceutical companies, which, you know, go figure, which is very strange. Um, and that caused a lot of health issues over time. Okay, they... they extremely malnourished when they're on formula. You know, we talk about children need at least 66 minerals a day. Actually, humans need 66 minerals a day to function properly. Formula has about six minerals. You know, dog food has probably 10 or 12. And, you know, we're feeding our children food that is of a lesser grade than our dog food. This is ridiculous. And, you know, we're scared of feeding them a bit of bone broth, apparently, (laughs) which is just insane. And, you know, I can say this from a journalistic perspective because I look at this from that standpoint and I see the information and it, it just does not make sense. What are we doing? You know, so... 
taking a bit of a, a smart approach with these C-section babies and saying, well, actually, we need to be a little bit more careful with them. Let's give them some probiotics and let's ensure that their gut health is good so that they don't go down the sickness path throughout their childhood. They don't develop um, allergies. They don't develop intolerances. They don't develop the behavioral issues and then the whole range of other health issues that we're seeing now down the line. Um, and we've got a very good opportunity to work on um, the next generation of mums coming up because I can tell you my generation and um, your generation, we're actually a little bit excited about health, you know, and it's changing and now's the time to actually spread the real food message and balance the microbiomes of our future mums so that the next generation um, can really, really thrive and be on top of this. Not that the last generation, you know, is we have to give up on them. We just, they're going to need a little bit more work, a little bit more kimchi to actually bring around <laughs> to health. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think it's got to come back to that, you know, prevention rather than the cure. So yes. like the awareness is where it starts, obviously, which is what you and I are doing. And then, and then certainly, um, putting some systems in place early before the, the sickness or the behavioural issues um, take place. Yeah, yeah. We talked, I spoke with the um, Vitality Hackers yesterday and they were talking about FMT and all that sort of stuff and I sort of just said like, guys, we need to look at health before, you know, it gets that bad that someone needs a faecal matter transplant. For you, sure. know, yeah. you know, we need to actually encourage people to not get uh, SIBO and Crohn's and all these things in the first and ulcerative colitis in the first place. And, you know, we do that with real food, with balancing the gut and with cutting out chemicals and being happy and stress-free and all the rest of it, you know. So, yeah, I th- I'm, I'm completely in agreement with you. Yeah, very cool. So um, we have a couple of questions that we ask all our guests on The Real. Oh, good idea. Me so too. that we can learn a little bit more about you. I'm so excited th- for these. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to share, um, I'd love you to share what a day on your plate looks like. So what sort of foods are you eating at the moment? Yeah, good idea. Uh, well, doing my gut protocol at the moment, so it um, looks a little bit uh, less um, less colourful than normal. So uh, we're, we're doing a lot of uh, broths. Um, so we're doing a lot of broths and, and broth-based soups. Um, we're also doing uh, a lot of good quality eggs, so for breakfast to really balance blood sugar and sort of prevent any uh, blood, uh, blood sugar drops and um, those those cravings in the afternoon for sweet foods. Uh, a lot of vegetables and a lot of salads with a lot of clean, good quality protein and really just cutting down on the carbohydrates at the moment. So no fruit, um, none of your like your raw treats and stuff like that. Um, whereas normally I might have some berries and like um, some raw chocolate every now and then and stuff. But, yeah, just keeping it pretty simple, doing some almonds, walnuts and Brazil nuts as snacks, like maybe making some almond basil pesto, a lot of curries, a little bit of fermented food, so a little bit of kimchi and sauerkraut, not going overboard with that because we just want to like relax the system a little bit. And, yeah, good, good quality water, a lot of nice spring water. I'm a big fan of spring water. Um, and that's that's about it, really. I think I've covered everything there. But yeah, I'm a big fan of getting everything, a lot of stuff from the garden. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of gardening, a massive advocate for gardening. Um, so I get all my herbs and vegetables from the garden because I mean it's live food. You you eat fresh herbs and stuff. That's like next level nutrition there. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. That sounds delicious. And yes. um, what we'll do is put some links to your. Um, gut healing protocol course in the show notes for anyone that's um, yeah. interested in joining Kale's um, next round. It's not yeah, it's not out yet, but it'll be out in the next sort of. It'll be out before the year's done. Cool. Um, presumably, if we can get everything You'll together. You'll have to but, now. <laughs> yeah, no, on the hook now. Uh, but that, like, I want to actually um, make sure that that's that's really really tight because I'm going to get a couple of different. Um, microbiologists and naturopaths and stuff to actually look at that program and and validate it because I want to make sure that it's really on point. It's a little bit hard to do on a wide scale because you're dealing with um, individuals, you know, who are different. But when you uh, restrict the parameters and allow people to work within certain parameters, it, it works quite well. So, yeah, and, you know, I've got the website and the podcast and some blogs and stuff. Same as you. I'm just doing my thing, just sort of trying to get the message out there and having a really good time. 
Yeah, so I think that answers our next question. Our next question was, what's next for Kale Brock? So it sounds like you've got a few things that you're working hard on. Yeah, so I think now it's just continuing to promote the book. Like I think I'm off to Sydney again. Um, you know, just got back, so I'll be off to Sydney again soon, and probably coming down your way, coming to Melbourne soon. Oh, so we'll have good. to hang out. We will. Um, sure. We'll go and have green smoothies. And- yeah. <laughs> and I'm going after the Gold Coast as well. So just doing workshops, like fermented foods workshops, and just sort of spreading the probiotic nutrition message there. Um, but also, I think in the next year or two there will be another book and it's going to be a gut healing book with with recipes and stuff and a nice little protocol in a book i think it's just so needed because so many people like i put it out there i was like hey if anyone wants to do like a little trial gut healing thing i had 60 emails in like two days Mm, from people and i was like oh wow so people need this you know so um that's going to be what's coming up but honestly like People think I'm really, really busy and, you know, for the last sort of couple of weeks I have been but normally I just I just surf a lot and work a little bit, you know, because I, that keeps me efficient, that keeps me productive and that's my thing. You know, I'm not going to go out and spread health and wellness and happiness and, say, and you know, not be happy myself. And not, oh, sorry, we've got a dog there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I've certainly – you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. So um we I definitely make time to um to enjoy my life because why why would I work a little bit hard to have a nice healthy functioning body and not go and enjoy it by doing some handstands and going getting getting some barrels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good message. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was you and Brett Hill I heard talking about that at um at the summit. And I think you know, that's the benefit of working for yourself. So why would you then go and stay up till you know, all hours answering emails or, or you yeah. know, certainly undoing all the, the hard work that you put into your nutrition. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I know you're very good with your emails. We spoke about this before, <laughs> just answering emails twice a day. Very, very efficient. Um, it's important, you know, we're not meant to live indoors. Yeah. And I think a good message is that, you know, health health is doesn't have to be the end goal. You know, it's just a really powerful tool to help you achieve your goals, whatever they are. And I think that having the asset that is a highly functioning, healthy body is an extremely powerful tool, you know, to, to help you do whatever you want to do, whether you just when you whether you want to go surfing or you want to be an awesome mum or an awesome dad or a great runner or whatever. It's just it's really cool. Yeah, spot on. Mm. Awesome to chat today. So before we wrap up today, can you direct us to where our listeners can find you? Yeah, just um, kalebrock.com. So like one and a half vegetables, K-A-L-E-B-R-O-C-K.com. That's that's the place and like everything's on there. And I suppose on the wellness couch as well, I've got the podcast on there. We release uh, fortnightly. So we've got a bunch of stuff coming up. But, yeah, if you, if you want to, um, you can get in touch as well. Just shoot me an email from the website. But, yeah, I mean there's not a lot that's – there's not much that's not on the website. I sort of lay it all on the line for people. So, yeah, it's it's pretty open and – pretty open and honest but yeah kalebrock.com that's that's the best place to go awesome all right team so head to the show notes to find out more about kale and kale i'll hold you to that green smoothie when you're next in melbourne (laughs) Um, that sounds very good awesome look forward to catching up then yes absolutely thanks for having me steph keeps doing what you're doing This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.